0: welcome back welcome back hey it's the deep cover podcast coming at you about to uh launch into a at least an hours long podcast about how bad steve saunders is and all the ways that he ended in short places. No, nah, I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about any of that. <laughs> just joking. Obviously, that's kind of a hot topic today. We're recording Thursday night and there uh, been a lot of that stuff out there in the sphere, and uh, online and other places. But, hey, we've got something way more important, way more valuable, I think, uh, in terms of things to talk about and, and someone to listen to as we're joined by Brian McFarland. Uh, you know him from Russell Street Report. You know him on Twitter as at Raven Salary Cap. I got that right, Brian? You got it. Yep, that's it. Okay, there we go. Hey, uh, it's great having you back. Um, I want to say we might have to induct you into the deep cover ring of honor because you've been yeah, here sir. at least twice, maybe three times. I think this is number three, yeah. Yeah, see, I think you're definitely in on <laughs> your third appearance because I don't know that we've had anybody else on three times. we had a couple two-timers. But
1: yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think he might be in the lead.
0: Yeah. Waldman's been yeah. on a couple times. Denard's been on a couple times. Coach Evans been on a couple times. But I don't think anybody's been on three times. So we'll uh we'll oh, get I a jersey hurt. up there. Yeah. We, hey, <laughs> we'll get a jersey up there in the Raptors, man. Whatever number you want, uh we'll retire it for you up there. Dollars, <laughs> Dollar sign. There Another you go. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yes, sir.
2: Nobody else will
0: have your jersey, for sure. <laughs> but as usual, uh, I'm joined by my guys, Kerry and Chris. Uh, just real quick, uh, you know, I always like to, to check with the guys, make sure everything is good in their world. Kerry, I start
2: with you. How you doing, man? I'm a lot smarter on wide receivers. I can tell you that. Mm. Uh, if you haven't already, check out Chris's uh wide receiver prospect video um just outstanding work will really paint the picture for you as far as what these wide receivers can do uh what they can't do uh those kind of well not what they can't do what they need to work on uh and also shout out to garnett west for some great great graphics did an excellent job with that so You know, I don't even have to look at wide receivers anymore, honestly. I mean, the the work is done. (laughs) Hey, The hay is in the barn. If you haven't checked out that
0: video, you can check it out on the Deep Cover YouTube channel. Um, It was awesome. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm just going to say you might be surprised by who his number one wide receiver prospect was in this class. So you should definitely check that out. Uh, Chris, other than, um, you know, dropping knowledge on the world when it comes to wide receiver prospects, how are you doing? (laughs)
1: I'm doing great. I'm glad Carrie mentioned it because I wasn't going to say a word of it because I completely forgot about the video. <laughs> so I'm glad Carrie uh, gave it the introduction it deserved. Um, I appreciate that, and um, I thank everybody who, who watched it and anybody who hasn't watched it, check it out, please, uh, and let me know what what you think because that for me that's the best way to get better is when we exchange ideas and I hear somebody else. Oh. You didn't have this guy in your top five. This is why he's in my top five. So I like hearing other opinions. So, you know, they're all welcome. And, you know, let, let's chat it up and let's let's share these ideas because that's how we get better.
0: Absolutely. And like Kerry mentioned, big shout out to Garnett for his help uh, yes. working with Chris on on just sort of the visuals in the video. He, he is, I feel almost like... Uh, a producer of this show in some ways. He does some things behind the scenes as he DMs us about different things. Well, he, <laughs> People...
1: just, he just popped up one day and he was like, look, I made this for you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I wasn't even working on wide receivers. I was working on uh, offensive line. And he was like, whenever you do the wide receiver one, I got the slides ready. And I was like, all right, this was like two months ago. So shout out to Garnett for, for just having that ready and, and and for keeping me in mind because You know, I I didn't ask him to do that. He didn't have to do it. So, you know, shout out to him for, for, you know, putting in the work.
0: 100 percent. He's he's shared some ideas with me for different things we could talk about on the show. So, hey, man, we appreciate everything that you do. Uh, We're not going to be able to pay you. So (laughs) (laughs) that's just the reality here. Uh, (laughs) But but speaking of paying folks. You see that I'm getting better at these segues. That's mm. that's halfway professional, right there. <laughs> getting a paying people, Brian. Uh, I gotta imagine you've probably been asked a time or two in recent weeks and months uh, about mm, a certain quarterback potential contract negotiation that you know may or may not be happening. Uh, <laughs> but we kind of wanted to look at it from a slightly different angle, uh, certainly related to that. It, it, it is that it's about that. And I know you've probably talked about it in about every way that it can be talked about. But this was Kerry's idea to say, hey, what if we kicked around the idea of the what if world and what it would look like if the Ravens actually did um, agree to a fully guaranteed contract with Lamar or something very close to that? And how that might affect their team building approach and how, how do you continue to build a roster when you're carrying, you know, the kind of cap charges that, that kind of come along with that. So I guess we just wanted to kind of get some of your thoughts on that and then just, you know, kind of see where the discussion goes. You've you've been on before, so you know how this goes with us. It kind of just meanders and uh, we end up fleshing a bunch of stuff out eventually, but it usually doesn't have like a real clear roadmap. <laughs>
3: Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, the the fully guaranteed part of it isn't um, I mean, the contract, however, they would structure it would look the same, whether it's fully guaranteed or not. So, um, you know, you can most most long term deals, especially the way the Ravens do it has a lower cap number, certainly in the first year Uh, and then the second year and they you know, they increase, obviously. And they flatten out over the last few years of the deal. And obviously with Lamar, we don't know whether it would be a four year deal or a five or, or six or, or seven. Wait, most quarterbacks are longer term deals, but um, you know, there's been some thought that uh, a way to bridge this gap with Lamar is maybe do a four year deal, um, which obviously the shorter the deal that this year's cap number has to be higher because there's not, it just is not as many years to spread it out down the road. So, Uh, but fully guaranteed is just it it, you know basically is what it means that you structure the contract the same way the scary part i guess we'll say or the concern with a fully guaranteed deal would be that back end of the deal or that catastrophic injury or or you know terror huge downturn in performance where you're stuck with the contract and um You know, I'll I'll use Deshaun Watson as an example since, you know, he didn't play very well this, you know, the second half of the year when he came back from suspension. And he does have that fully guaranteed contract. But, you know, I mean, at this point, uh, you know, they've probably got, it was 230. uh, They gave him a big signing bonus. So, I mean, they've probably got about 180 still due on that deal. I mean, if he stinks this year, I I don't know what you do, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, because you can't get rid of him. Uh, because if you cut if you cut him it the fully guaranteed all accelerates against the cap so let's say they wanted to cut him after this year so it's the third year of the five-year deal so you're probably looking at you know 120 130 million on next year which will be a 250 million dollar cap so i mean half of your cap <laughs> would be you know and, and i mean that's the concern and, and you know i don't uh, philosophically, I certainly don't have a, a problem with the idea of a fully guaranteed contract. My concern would be or, or my I think maybe point would be with this is that with with the present way, the cap, uh, the present CBA, which goes till 2029, with the way the cap is set up, I think that is very concerning. And I mean, would it happen? who knows i mean and obviously with lamar we've had these two last two years end with with injuries and you know um you know obviously his style um although both times he's been hurt in the pocket granted but um you know that's the big concern um i don't think it's a it's an economic concern it's just uh, as in i don't want to pay him that much and i don't want to guarantee him that much it's and granted, you know, the Theismann injuries, the, the you know, um, even Alex Smith came back, took him a couple of years. But even he came back, he really wasn't the same. But, you know, that's the that's the big concern to me with the fully guaranteed. And maybe I don't know what the odds on that are. Now, the team's not the other thing when people talk about, oh, well, you know, the team doesn't want to guarantee him the, the money and this and that. They will have an insurance policy on that contract. Hmm. So they're not going to lose money uh the salary that doesn't affect the salary cap right right. (laughs) you're still stuck with the salary cap because you did pay the player even though you recouped it you still paid the player um so that's where I think the fully guaranteed is the biggest concern is it a huge concern probably not but I just can't imagine what would happen to a team you'd end up having I think what ultimately you'd end up having to carry your quarterback at, you know, 50, 40, 50, 60 million, depending upon where you are in that contract. And you're going to put him on IR um, and you're going to carry him throughout the contract because you cannot let that accelerate against the cap in that one year that you want to be done with him. So, um, and that's still, you know, 40, 50, 60 million on a $250 million cap is fine when you got a he's your star quarterback and he's performing. But when he's your, essentially ex quarterback and you're just carrying him around. I mean, going back before this goes back a while, but when Mike Vick got, um, uh, got in trouble, there were a back with the dog, uh, the dog fighting thing. Um, the rules were different then, and the Falcons could not release him. So the, he, they, he was actually there the, for one year. He was their 53rd man on their roster. Hmm. Um, Because of the cap implications of cut, they couldn't cut him before that, even though they didn't owe him any money that year. But because of the acceleration of all the bonus money, when your bonus is spread out over for five years, for instance, and you cut him after they cut him in year three, the year three, four, and five count against the cap. The bonus, those bonus uh, um, uh, prorations. So that's where. That's the, to me, the biggest problem. And I'm sure with the new CBA, if it, if it, you know, if it's moving in that direction or has gotten there by then, they can put new wrinkles into the CBA that, you know, for maybe it's just for quarterbacks because they're the ones making the big, big money. But, um, you know, I, I think that's something that has to be addressed in the CBA and because of those potential catastrophic, um, uh, sorry, my dog is uh, my wife is coming home and my dog's going nuts right now.
1: <laughs> so that's uh, He, he wants concern. to talk about the cap situation. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, so that's the biggest concern, I think, about a fully guaranteed. Uh, now, obviously, you're, you've got big cap numbers and that's, as far as team building goes, that's a concern as well, but that's every big money quarterback, obviously, and teams have to figure out a way to get around that.
0: Yeah, see, I, I think that's... That's a really clear explanation on that because you do see a bunch of stuff out there and let alone the, the kind of confusing and we don't even know how accurately sourced the reports are of dollar amounts and whether it's this or whether it's that. Even setting that stuff aside, you do see a lot of just sort of confusion out there about, well, it, it's, it seems like people almost focus on the economic side of it more, you know, like, like you're talking about. Um, Mike Brown or some other, you know, the Chargers owner who <laughs> just like doesn't have the money. Like we, we literally don't have the money uh, that we would need to come up with, you know, that that amount uh, of a guarantee. It's not that issue, from what you you know just explained um, with the Ravens and with Bishotti. I always think about the Rams. I think about Stan Con- uh, Kroenke and the whole cash over cap thing, and you just throw out these you know crazy bonuses and like you said, spread them out. Now, obviously, if the scenario happens that you just described where there's a catastrophic injury and you've got to uh, IR somebody and maybe even eventually cut them, then, you know, all of that comes back to haunt you, you know, with the accelerated bonuses. But um, it's good to to kind of be clear on that. I think that that's not really the, 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 the primary issue here. It's about can they afford to pay it? It's not really that. It's just sort of the risks that go along with. With doing something like that, um, Chris or Carrie, did either one of you guys have a question about that? Because I, I really, I'll admit, I I don't know that I had that super clear in my head until just now. <laughs> so I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder. It's, it's not a question, but I wonder, like, if the, the it's to a, a lesser degree, but um, the whole Ronnie Stanley situation, when you know the future of his career was up in the air, I wonder if that kind of you know, maybe put it in their head too, like, you know, because that's a huge contract, the Ronnie Stanley thing. And for a while there it was touch and go where there were whispers that he might have to retire. He won't ever be the same. So if imagine like that was a, a tough reality to face with his contract. So imagine something like Lamar's contract. I wonder if that still looms in their head because it, it was so recent that we heard those talks about Ronnie.
3: Yeah. I mean, for sure. That would have been, I mean, at one point I, now that was, I mean, it was, it was probably owing him. Um, Cause were, this year's salary was guaranteed. So if they, if, you know, if he didn't come back, um, so so part of this year's salary is guaranteed. So last year uh, and plus they, unfortunately they've, well, unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, they they've restructured his deal twice too, which put more dead money into the future. So, Um, if, if he had not come back last year and not played well last year, I think they were still looking at 25 million in dead money. Well, I mean, that's, and that's a lot for a player. I mean, I think at this point, 34 million is the most that's ever been carried on the cap. And that was the Eagles for Wentz. Um, that's the most dead money that's been carried on the cap so far. Um, so Stanley would have been under that, but you're looking at potentially three times that, you know. Um, with with a quarterback um, and I you know that's that's just the biggest concern to me and I, yeah I don't um, I mean the Ravens won't have any trouble paying that money to him you know I mean it's it's not it's not an issue of the of them having not having the money like you you mentioned the Mike Browns and the Spanos I mean for those guys the the team is their income <laughs> you know the team is their wealth I mean, they don't. They, they can't live their, you know, their whatever lifestyle you want to call it. I don't think Mike Brown lives an extravagant lifestyle. At least it doesn't look like he does. But um, the Spanoses probably do out there in L.A. But I mean, that's they. I mean, that's what they live off of. Whereas Bichette doesn't need a dollar and doesn't take a dollar from the Ravens. I think his. I think his his salary is one dollar. You know, <laughs> uh, his. You know, his wealth comes out of buying it for what six hundred million, and it's worth three billion or whatever it is now. You know. Um, you know, so but he's not, he doesn't need to take money out, it's not coming out of his pocket. If so, if he's paying a lot of money to any player, it's not coming out of his pocket per se, like it is Mike Brown. If he's got to cut a check for 200 million for for the fully guaranteed and escrow that, I mean, that's if for the Ravens, that's just coming out of their ledger. For Mike Brown, it's coming out of his pocket. For the Spanoses, it's coming out of his po- their pocket. So, I mean, that's a big difference, and that's why. I, I mean, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but that's why I don't I don't see either Burrow or Herbert, at least from those teams, getting fully guaranteed contracts, even if they win a Super Bowl there. I don't I don't see it happening. Um, you know, maybe maybe a Super Bowl win will change the dynamic. I don't know. But uh, so I, I just don't see that. You know, I don't think that's going to help Lamar if they, if either of those guys goes first or even hurts because Philly's owner is a. Is a lead, I mean, Lurie's a league guy, hundred percent. So I don't see him going fully guaranteed either.
0: No, it sounds like those kind of deals for Brown and Spano. See, they'd be in in uh, in in Bill uh, Bidwell territory. They'd be charging for dinner, lunch, and breakfast uh, <laughs> <laughs> to try to make up some of the money that they'd have to pay these guys. Uh, so um, it's 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 good that you don't have that as an obstacle. Because um, wasn't that the issue a couple years back with the Raiders too, with Derek Carr, like, or, or was it Khalil Mack? It might've been even further than that. It might've been Khalil Mack where they, they literally couldn't pay him. I can't remember if it was Mack or Carr.
3: Were yeah. They- I mean, they were, they were, I think it was Mack and they were, mm-hmm. they were suffering in Oakland, obviously. Um, yeah. you know, that was a real, uh, um, you know, obviously now they've got the cash cow of, of Las Vegas, but, right. um, I mean, as much as it, you know, I mean, obviously the Raiders have moved more than any other team, uh, threefold i guess at this point but um but they you know uh, they moved they I, why they left la in the first place to go back to oakland i'm not sure and i know that was their you know they are the oakland raiders i think in most people's minds you know i mean that's where they belong yeah. but uh, obviously the money they were not making i guess i'll say um there um you can understand why uh you know i mean being as old as I am, I know when the Colts left at dilapidated stadium, you know, and as, as much as Irsay was, you know, an, an idiot, and that's the kind way of putting it, uh, but there were certainly problems there that Maryland took a little too long to get around to fixing, um, and Oakland obviously did not learn from that, um, and you know, I guess, I guess we can always talk about whether, uh, you know, communities and states and cities should be poning up as much money as they do, but um, yeah. the revenue bring in. I think they get it back in the revenue. Ultimately, I think they get it back in the revenue that the team brings in. Um, but I'm not sure that was happening in Oakland either.
0: Okay. Gary, did you have a question or a comment on that? Or
2: uh, No. I mean, like like you said, it was good to uh, kind of hear that explained and, and um, really talk about the risk of it. Because, you know, from my standpoint, looking at this the whole time, it's like, OK, you're locking up a franchise quarterback and it's like, OK, well, why is there such a concern for, um, you know, down the line money and all of these things? And um, when you have a franchise quarterback, you're not looking to cut them. So why are you looking to, you know, protect yourself to potentially get out of the deal? But, you know, the, the catastrophic has happened you know, injuries have happened, different things. So, you know, that that part is important. So, you know, looking at that from that lens as it um pertains to like a guaranteed deal is definitely something that a team has to um you know has to have some level of concern about for sure.
0: Yeah another I guess another part of this Brian for me and this kind of gets into the team building, you know, the rest of the the roster aspect of this. So like you said, uh, if they are able to reach a deal, more than likely their first year uh, is a little bit, you know, lower uh, number in terms of a cat hit, and then you know they sort of increase each year after that. Well, even if you look at uh, this is different because I guess it would be lower, but assuming they don't get a deal done and they apply the tag, uh, I still think it will be the exclusive tag. I know people are throwing out the non-exclusive. I suppose anything's possible, but I lean towards the exclusive. Um, but I'm only bringing that up because let's say 45-ish million um, for, the, for that number, right? So you're probably, what, about 20% of the cap, somewhere in there, um, if, if that's what that is. Now, like you said, if you reach a deal, that first year is probably not going to be that high. But at some point in those subsequent years, barring you know restructures or other extensions or whatever, you're probably going to be near that number again. I actually looked at this because we were talking about it. I think there's three guys coming up this year um, who three quarterbacks whose cap numbers kind of be is, is gonna be in that 20% range. I think Mahomes is one, I think Dak is another, and I guess Deshaun, I guess, would be the other guy. Um, what are your thoughts on when you have that high a percentage? Because I don't I don't know. I you know you know this stuff way better than me. I kind of was just digging around OTC and looking to see if was is there anybody, any other quarterback where it's it's ever approached sort of that that high a percentage of the cap? Do you feel like it totally sort of hamstrings you in terms of what you can do? I mean, of course, you've got the draft, and that's probably your cheapest way to continue to, to develop and add to your roster. But do you feel like in terms of free agency or maybe even trades where you might have to take on a contract or something like that? Do you feel like having that percentage of a, of a cap hit, does it totally hamstring you or do you still have some, some wiggle room?
3: yeah i mean obviously you've it goes back to the you have to draft well as you mentioned and if you think about over the last three years they've drafted like 27 or 29 players um i mean they've had close to 10 picks each i think uh, that was i think last year was 11 and i think it was eight nine or something like that Mm -hmm. um so obviously, I mean, I don't think and, you know, they took what they used all six fourth round picks last year, which I don't think anybody heading into the draft right. thought that happened. But I think that's that was a, a nod to we need that young, cheap labor labor over the next couple of years Um guys on their rookie deals to fill out the roster um, and to, you know, hopefully hit on a couple of them and you know, and have them come through. Um, you know, four years later, we're gonna have to figure out how to how to pay for him but so I think that's where you know that DeCosta Costa came back a little from it yesterday, but earlier when they when they did their January press conference, he was he said he was fine with five draft picks. um and yeah, he always wants to have as many as possible obviously i I think that's kind of what he said yesterday, but I think that's part of it too, is there's only so many spaces on the roster, and when you when you' when you've picked. You know, close to 30 guys over the last three years. There's only so much space that's going to be left on the back end of the roster or you start cutting draft picks. And then people, even if they're six or seventh round picks, people are like, well, why did you cut draft picks? You know, It's kind of kind of double edged sword. We got all these draft picks. We want we draft well, but then we got to cut them. And this guy does well somewhere else. And you're taking
0: fullbacks in the fifth round, you know.
3: Yes. Well, Well, I guess when you have that luxury, when you have so many, (laughs) or punters in the fourth round. So, um, bingo. It's. I mean, this team. You know, they've they've taken a long snapper in the sixth round before. If you go back to, (laughs) um, what was the guy before Cox? Um, um, Can't remember his first name. Mace. uh, Mace or Mace. Um, oh yeah yeah that's uh, right
2: i can't think of
3: it he was the guy before before, uh before cox was here so um yeah so obviously the big cap number one thing we don't really know is all of these contracts for these big money quarterbacks have always been restructured so mahomes has been restructured twice already now he's got such a long-term i mean that deal i had somebody (laughs) asked me on twitter with with the Ravens entertain doing a deal like Mahomes? And my answer was in a heartbeat. I mean, that right. deal was so team friendly. I mean, it was a, was it 10 years? I mean, they can keep restructuring them and spreading out that restructure. Every time they do it, they spread it over five years. Yeah. So when you have a six year deal, you can restructure in year four, but you can only spread that over four, five, and six. Yep. Ten year deal, you've got, I mean, it's like void years almost added in, but they don't hurt as much. Uh, because you've because you it's your quarterback, so he's going to make all of that money, but it's it's going to be way spread out. So, I mean, that's you got to draft well, um, and you 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 know you are going to be limited to an extent on outside free agents you bring in. Uh, you know, people will talk about uh, you know um, you know the Saints. If look at the look what the Saints did you know with with Breeze. I mean, they, roll, they kept rolling it and rolling and rolling, it, and then you know, the bubbles kind of burst, and they, you, you, they're in a cycle of having to redo and redo and redo just to stay competitive, and they certainly don't have a quarterback now. Even the, you know, even the Chiefs, who obviously are kind of the mod, one of the model franchises now, for sure. I mean, if, yeah, Hill wanted a new deal. What did they do? They traded him. You know, they're going to be guys. You get, you're going to have to make some tough decisions at some point um and so i mean i think it it can certainly be done now mahomes did not have a big uh you know we're talking about super bowl winners and you know can you win with a big cap number i think mahomes i'm gonna look it up here but mahomes cap number this year was 35 million sorry this past year was 35 million but it it wasn't 50 million it wasn't 45 you know so it, it was not um it wasn't totally up there like uh, like some of these numbers were coming up to. Now the cap is going to grow and seemingly grow substantially over the next couple of years. So that will certainly help. Um, but, you know, when you, when you talk about, you, you kind of mentioned something triggered by my, uh, my thought a little earlier, when you talk about guaranteed money and we got a quarterback, he's going to be here. He's never going on think care. He said, this ever, he's not, you know, he's not going to go here. So what does it matter? Well, it's, it's one of those weird things to say, but for the player standpoint, I mean if he plays well he's going to be here and he's going to get another contract here ideally. So why does it need to be fully guaranteed? From the from the team's perspective, okay, well he's it's kind of the same thing. Well he's going to be here so why not anyway so why not fully guarantee it? <laughs> so <laughs> you know you could see both perspectives yeah. make sense. They don't really you know, so it kind of says one says you don't really need the fully guaranteed even though you want it and the other says well we might as well fully guarantee it even though we don't want to. You know, so it, it, it's kind of one of those things in the end. Does it really matter on a deal like this? But for what we started with that big injury concern, I think that's where most teams are, are, are hesitant. Um, and, you know, and I hate to say, it, I mean, we, you know, you know, I don't know what percentage you want to put on Lamar's game being his legs. Um, but, you know, Joe Burrow already blew out his knee two years ago and he came back to, you know, get to the Super Bowl and get to the AFC championship and, you know, be in the MVP Um, um, conversation. So, but if Lamar can't run anymore, how much does that decrease his value? And of course, that's why we all want to see him become a better passer and, and kind of minimize that to start with. But I don't know that he's ever going to be a Joe Burrow kind of passer. Um, so it'd be nice to see him with receivers like Burrow has for sure. Help.
0: <laughs> <would> definitely help. <laughs> so, so, know,
3: I- so, I mean, that, so that, I think that's, you know, that's the key, you know, with, with, with Lamar, I think that's the biggest concern is, is he, if he loses his legs or loses 20% of his legs or whatever, how much does that decrease his value? And I think that's a different dynamic for Lamar as well. Uh, that you don't have with the other quarterbacks, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, because he's a weapon that you know. Burrow, Burrow's a pretty good runner, but he's not obviously not as, as elusive, and they're not going to be running him you know 15 times a game like uh, the Ravens don't mind with Lamar.
0: You know, it was something you you mentioned and it, uh, in in what you just said about you know how draft picks and and cheap labor uh, become you know increase. They're always important, but become increasingly important when you have, you know, a quarterback with, uh, you know, that that sizable cap hit each year. And Chris and Kerry and I, we talked about this. It made me think back to uh, Kirk Cousins just because, you know, you're looking for parallels. It's the only other guaranteed contract before Deshaun, right, at, for quarterback. quarterback. Um, and it was weird looking at their teams during those years. You kind of see a similar pattern in terms of I think th- he signed that deal in 2018 I don't think he played under it for more than two years. I think it was maybe 18 and 19. And then they did an extension. Yeah. yeah. Um, But when you look at it, so you look at 18, the year that they signed in their draft, you know, pretty, pretty typical draft. I think they had like eight picks, but then you look at the next three years, especially 19. Right. So, so the very next year they had 12 picks 20, they had 15 picks like, and they picked these players. They literally picked 12 players in 19 and then 15 players a year after that, and then 10 players uh, the year after that. And then I think last year it kind of went back down to somewhat normal. I think it was still 10 last year. But it was sort of that same pattern or that recognition of if we're carrying – and I think he was on a one-year deal last year um, – if we're carrying this, this cap number – the draft almost has to be it. So now, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say that I looked at you know the free agents that they brought in. I don't know. Maybe they still were able to sign some you know less expensive guys and bring them in. And of course, over some of those drafts, they certainly did hit on some players. Obviously, everybody knows about Justin Jefferson. Sure. Um, you know, even even their tackle Brian O'Neill. I think he's he's become a, a quality starter for them. and, You know, a couple other guys. But it's almost like those kinds of things sort of go hand in hand. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna have to commit to, you know, that, that, that kind of financial um, investment, then you need to just go like heavy, (laughs) right? On draft picks. Because again, like you said, you need that inexpensive source of labor, Uh, but it's the balance of the other thing that you also said is like, Hey, okay. We talked about how many picks the Ravens have had in the last couple of years. Well, think about that stretch, right? Eight, 12, 15, 10. (laughs) You think about (laughs) all of those players and how many of those guys and actually made a, their roster,
3: you know, and stayed on their roster. Yeah, and they had a fifth-round pick to trade for Vedvik, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> just, throwing <laughs> just throwing it around.
0: Just throwing it around.
3: Maybe that's why they were willing to do it. They had so many picks. I never I never looked at it that way back then, <laughs> but I was just happy they offered it. They, uh, they're willing to bite on it, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, when you when you look at these things, I mean they're especially 20 so 2020, the year that they got Jefferson in the first round, that's the one where I'm like, okay, they literally picked 15 guys. Uh they had two firsts, a second, a third, a fourth, uh, three fourths, <laughs> two fifths, two Damn. sixths, and four sevenths. Wow. And they picked players at, at all of those spots. So um, it's just it, it was kind of an interesting parallel to me. And You know, I'm not like the Vikings were, you know, playing in NFC championships or or winning Super Bowls um, during that stretch, Uh, but they were still competitive. And, um, you know, so I think sometimes there's sort of this doom and gloom narrative that, you know, if you have to commit to this kind of money on a quarterback that, um, you know, your team is is sort of, you know, stuck at that point, you're not able to be competitive. Uh, Obviously, there's some limitations for sure on things that you can do, but I think that, you know, you can still be competitive. But like you said, so much comes down to uh, hitting on guys in the draft at that point. Like we've said, that's always an important thing. But when you, you don't have the free agent dollars to spend, um, or maybe even, like I said, to be able to trade and take on a contract or something like that, then it becomes even more important. And that's, that's another thing that I think people have been, you know, some people, have been critical of over the last few years with some of these drafts is, is that, you know, maybe you haven't seen the hit rate you'd like to see, you know, hopefully last year is, is maybe the beginning of a, of a new, a new trend, (laughs) because I think, you know, we'd say Hamilton looks like a pretty good player. Linderbaum looks like a pretty good player. Um, you know, some of the other guys at least got on the field sort of TBD about, you know, what we think they're going to be, but, um, I guess it's not total gloom and doom. Is kind of what my my rambling way of saying that it it doesn't have to be total gloom and doom, but it's it it certainly limits you in some ways. Yeah, you can't make
3: as you, you don't have the opportunity to make as many mistakes. And then, honestly, I do think it in a way it potentially shortens your window because if you do draft well, then four years later. Or yeah, three or four guys. years later, those guys are become free agents. And then you've got to now again, all these quarterback contracts are gonna get restructured and restructured and extended. And, you know, I mean that looked what the what the Steelers did with Roethlisberger all those years. I mean, he got paid well and they just kept kicking the can down the road and kicking the can down the road. And, you know, eventually you're gonna have to the player retires and you're gonna you're gonna have to bite the bullet. And you know, you just hope you can find that new quarterback. Uh, within that you know within that uh end of that window and so you can you know you can then have your rookie deal and
0: and move forward from there yeah we we've, we've talked about that too on this show and kind of just in some of our like little chats on twitter just three of us that uh, people seem to there there's at least some percentage of people that seem to have gotten really comfortable with the notion of we'll just trade lamar and, and get a haul of draft picks and then right. go find another quarterback. And, you know, it, it, we always kind of laugh at that because we're like, I mean, really you can just look around the league and see how difficult it is to find a franchise quarterback. And, and, and being Ravens fans, obviously there's a whole history there of quarterbacks, but even just looking around in the division, just look at Cleveland. I mean, you can be in that purgatory for a decade, <laughs> you know, trying yeah. to
2: find a
0: quarterback. <laughs> you can have all of the picks in the world and still, I mean, how many, you yeah.
3: know, First round quarterbacks have they gone through?
0: <laughs> yeah, so we we kind of just laugh at that. Like it, it it sounds, you know, like an easy thing to say. Yeah, go get three firsts and this and that, and you know, then you can go and you can find your quarterback. But um, I don't know if it was either Chris or Karen, maybe both of you guys said like, hey, whatever. If you if you get to that point, which I think we heard DeCosta said, that's not really even something he had been thinking about. He's been totally focused on trying to get the deal done. But if you were to get to that point, you're going to just be trying to find a guy who was at least as good or better than Lamar. Right. When you already have that guy, (laughs) so (laughs) you know, it's that whole mystery (laughs) box thing, right? A a yacht is a yacht, but a mystery box could be anything. So, (laughs) you know, I think people, we, we love the draft. We're all, you know, big kind of draft nerds and, you know, we, we like, um, having a bunch of picks too, because I think, you know, the more shots you have at this thing, the better, because as much as I think they really trust um, their scouting staff and their evaluation processes, I mean, DaCosta has said itself, it's a luck driven project uh, uh, process because, you know, we're humans and you tend to be, we tend to be overcompetent about our ability to predict things. <laughs> and so you, you're yeah. probably better off having more opportunities than having fewer and thinking, well, we're going to get these right. You know, Um, obviously you you put a lot into it and the goal is to get it right. But, you know, it's it's the process. So I I always, you know, want to have a little pause with that. Like, yeah, just get a bunch of draft picks and you'll be good. Mm -mm. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I, I like I like having draft picks, but with Lamar.
0: You yeah, know, I don't. I don't like having a lot of
1: draft picks and no
3: Lamar.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, agree. I agree. Like last year, eleven picks with Lamar. Yeah, pretty nice situation to yeah. be in. You know, um, you know, the season obviously didn't didn't end the way that anybody wanted, but you know, injury happens. But you you much rather be in that situation than um, I think where they even are right now. I know he said he's he's comfortable with five picks, but I I don't I don't know how comfortable he really is. <laughs> I think he'd like to be more comfortable <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what happened <to> days?
3: <laughs> a lot more comfortable with nine right
0: <laughs> yeah, and who knows? maybe they get there, you know uh maybe there's player trades or you know maybe they trade back in the draft at some point, obviously that's <laughs> that's something that's been a big part of their history, so you never know how that's gonna go um. But Chris or Kerry did either you have anything else um kind of along that topic I know we we talked about at some point wanting to just get you know Brian's opinion on you know some other stuff about around the team not just the cap and contract stuff
1: Um yeah I have something that, like just about like when free agency starts like sh- should fans just not even pay attention to the news like if if Lamar's franchise is tagged right should fans just not even pay attention to the news because nothing's happening on the Raven side uh, as far as free agency is concerned in that that first wave?
3: Yeah, I mean, if they use the exclusive tag, I would I would think that would be the case. Um, now, one of these little um, quirks—of quirks—the right word of the way uh, the CBA works. Is is he will count only if they if they use the exclusive tag, he will still count at the non-exclusive tag level uh, until the week, basically a week before the draft. Okay. So uh, the first week of free agency will perhaps be somewhat telling. Now they're they're going to have a lot of work to do before that, just to create cap space to to get him to get the ta- to get e- to either well either tag but so at some point obviously they, they know they're going to need 13 more so i guess they don't have to do any but if they all of a sudden restructure a ton of guys you know next week basically uh you know or the you know leading up to the 15th and cut a bunch of guys or, or whatever and all of a sudden they've created this huge amount of cap space then that's telling that they're going for it you know um I mean they can I, I looked at it, they can restructure, if they restructure all their, their big contracts, that can create them about thirty million. Hmm. Um, now that's that's going from I mean it's you know going from Stanley at the top all the way down to I'm trying to remember who, uh, a couple guys were like one only about one point four million in savings if they're restructured. But you know, if that's what they're gonna do, if that's what they wanna do. And obviously, if, you know, everybody's clamoring for the wide receiver and, you know, the has always been one to say, you know, I mean, last year, it's always, you know, well, we're not big players in free agency and, and they go out and pull out Marcus Williams um, and shocked everybody, you know. Um, so, you know, I mean, that it's 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 the next week will be really telling obviously get it, whatever tags going to be telling um, if it gets to that. And of course, if they feel they're close to a contract you could and if you see them going a little crazy so to speak uh you know it's not it's not like them but if they do go and pull that big trade or something like that or sign a big free agent then that also may mean they're close on a deal i'm not you know i'm done predicting when when or if lamar is going to get signed because i think i've been wrong at every i'm staying away from that but um so i mean there are options you know um Calais Campbell, who I think we all kind of assumed would be back. Yeah. Now, if Lamar's long-term, maybe Calais is back. If, if you got to go to $45 million with with Lamar um, for the exclusive tag, I mean, Calais is $7 million in savings. DaCosta uh, wasn't, he was very guarded um, when, when Calais's name was brought up yesterday. Um, he's, you know, basically kind of gave that party line. We'll, we'll see where we are. Um, as opposed to, you know, with Yonda. And I mean, I knew Yonda was a long term, you know, been a long term Raven Ring of Honor guy, but you know, he's like, Oh, well, we're gonna you know, we're gonna work something out. He wants to come back. I uh, now maybe Claus doesn't want to come back. Maybe he wants to go some maybe he wants to go somewhere else and you know, and he's told them that. And obviously that's happened before and it's never leaked out to the press, whether it was Hearst or Hollywood Brown, uh, you know, so um so, maybe, and maybe, you know, I mean, the, the Ravens have been good in that case. Okay, so Clays is like, I, you know, I think there's a, a true Super Bowl contender out there that will, you know, will want me and, you know, he'll probably take less to play there. So, if Kansas City comes knocking, you know, uh, I want to, I'd like to go to Kansas City, you know. So, I, you know, but I thought, I was, I thought DaCosta's tone was definitely telling, at least to me. And of course, what, tomorrow they'll announce that you know Colas has resigned you know, added two years for the kill and they've lowered his cap number but but I did think that was very guarded and you know I mean they're not telling a lot of they're not telling a lot of tales obviously but the cost is pretty open and pretty forthcoming usually when he's talking Harbaugh obviously doesn't tell tell you anything um but I, I think the uh, cost a lot of times is, you know, is, is, is pretty open. So I, I kind of thought that was interesting, but that's $7 million. And it's, you know, when you're looking to create cap space, you're looking for one or two guys to create you a lot of cap space. Cause you still have re- to replace them. If you, if yeah. you go to get, to get that 7 million, if you cut three guys to get 7 million, then you got three guys to replace, not one. So, uh, and he is the biggest as, as far as cuts go. He's the biggest he's the biggest one out there. Uh, and obviously he's up there, you know. So and maybe their approach will be, you know, we're gonna cut him in or I don't know if they get anything. if they got if they only traded a fifth for him, I think. I don't know if they can get any I don't think they can get much better <laughs> than that for him now. Every team's gonna argue we well, only traded a fifth for him, so why are you asking for a fourth now?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah and maybe, you know, I I'd, I'd obviously like to see him back because I, I still think he's playing at a at a pretty good level, but yeah, for um, sure. Like you said, if, if that's the move that they feel like they need to make kind of in that that one, you know, one player kind of move. I mean, look how it worked out for Brandon Williams. I mean, you kind of just hang around out there, you know, you latch on with the Chiefs, you get a Super Bowl. So <laughs> <laughs> you never know how it can work out for some of these guys, although it's not not ideal for the Ravens, but, you know, for the player, maybe it works out. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I thought he was kind of at least I. I agree with your interpretation. I, I thought he was kind of guarded when he was specifically asked about him, and I also felt like he was kind of preparing, almost like preparing me. Like I was listening to him, and he started okay. talking about twenty nineteen. He's like, "Well, remember I had to let go Aaron Weddle and Terrell Suggs and Darius Smith." Hmm. So it's not like I haven't been here before. I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I mean, yeah. When you're when you got to put forty five million on Lamar, and you know, we're, we're the cap is still recovering from the the COVID year, you know, when it, it dropped 16 million, when it should have been going up 15 million. So yeah, you're almost 30 million based, you know, it was a little, it was a little less than those numbers, but it is basically a $30 million shift. Um, and, you know, honestly prior to that, the Ravens are in great cap shape um, the, you know, they were looking, I mean, you know, they were in the 50, 60, 70 million range before the, you know, before the new CBA. So when those numbers, you know, were, Obviously everything has jumped substantially to, to an extent, but you know, they were they were looking, I mean, they were really set up nicely at that point. And that's why they were able to go get Peters, you know, and that's yeah. why they were able to trade for Calais and bring in a, you know, I mean, Calais's deal when he got here, I mean, it was it was twelve and a half per year. Yeah. You know, so it was it was not insubstantial. Um, so you know, but obviously, um, you know, we there every you know, that's why all these teams used voice years last year. I mean, they just they had to not because they wanted to not because it was a good idea, <laughs> but they, they had to, you know. So, um, you know, so that's 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 kind of the dilemma they're in now. And right. Even right now, I mean, it, it, it the cap is it should probably be 20 million over than it than it is. I mean, they made a bit of it up last year with the big jump, um, but, you know, it still should be. And then we're then we're then we're, you know, in that, that's where it is, uh, you know, the way it should be, quote unquote you know then Calais, we're not even talking about class, yeah. you know he, he, we don't need to get rid of him and you know they're going to be they're going to be if they got you know if they're going to keep them on the exclusive and it looks like it's going to be all year yeah i mean to go back to your, uh, your uh, chris your question originally cuz i kind of rambled and rambled but um yeah i mean i don't i don't see them if the exclusive tag is what they do i don't see a whole lot of action
0: just go to that uh that rap sheet account and just turn off notifications. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even need to know what's <laughs> happening. It's gonna be the, that SpongeBob
1: out. meme where he's oh uh, Squidward's looking at everybody having fun outside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which we should be used to that, right? I mean, that's kind of how it is most of years anyway. Like like uh, yeah. Brian mentioned last year, they had Marcus Williams a couple of years ago was Earl Thomas. I mean, those splashes happen. Yeah, but our for fun. the most part, yeah, they're they're they You know, they tend to be kind of bargain shoppers in free agency most of the time. Uh, Gary, did you have anything else on, on the cap and contract stuff or free agency? Or Yeah,
2: it was something that it kind of drew me to want to have, you know, this discussion in the show. And I wanted to kind of throw it around and see what you guys thought. Um, and it was specifically the question is. If Lamar is on, a, you know, exclusive tag or a near guaranteed deal, um, can the Ravens specifically, specifically, can they compete for a Super Bowl with that cap number? And like when I started really looking at the way this team operates, to me, a lot of the things that you kind of need to do in order to kind of work around that, they just inherently already do. Um, you know, they value draft picks they play the comp pick game they trade down they acquire more picks you know that's not something that's foreign to them that's something that they're among the best in the league at doing that Uh, that's one you know thing making value signings and free agency outside of that prime window that's something they they do you know a lot you know they find value seemingly every year that way um identifying positions and situations where they can save money. I think they've done that in the past. They probably would have to um, really, really tighten on, tighten down on that. You know, there's going to be certain times where, you know, there's just certain positions you just can't afford to spend real capital on. Uh, so that's another thing that I think would be important. Um, another thing to me from a coaching standpoint, um, I think, Especially in a situation like this, you have to have a sustainable on both sides of the ball, sustainable and versatile scheme. And so, when I look at what they did defensively, going from Wink to McDonald, I think they accomplished that on defense. Um, now going from Giro to Monkin, I think you know, it's yet to be seen, but I think they're going to be able to accomplish that on offense as well. So I think that's important. So, you know, you have a scheme on both sides of the ball where I can take different personnel, different things and still be uh, successful because I have, you know, a a creative coach. And like I said, having a scheme that's uh, sustainable in that way. Um, And then, one other thing and i think this is a difference between other teams that're going to carry a quarterback that with that high of a cap number compared to a ravens team this is a a physical team you know this is a team that can impose their will at times in the running game and we had this conversation in the group chat the other day you know when the games are the most important it's cold as hell outside <laughs> <laughs> You know, physicality matters. You know those kind of things matter, and I think you know we've seen some teams in previous years not be able to kind of meet that that physicality level, um, and you know they've had some shortcomings as far as maybe being able to run the ball successfully and those kind of things. And so, I think all of those things make the Ravens kind of uniquely um, built. To be able to to do this, as far as carry a quarterback with that kind of cap number and still compete, so you know, uh, you know, I've seen it around Twitter a lot. People asking that question, and I, and when I really started to look at it, I thought, well, you know, kind of inherently, they they already are kind of built to do this. So I wanted to see what you guys thought about that. Um, you know, as far as how they're how they're built and whether they can really compete for uh, Bowls.
0: Yeah, I was, I was thinking about it and the analogy for me was kind of like somebody who now it's different because, you know, the Ravens are kind of in a situation where, um, and it's a good situation to be in because I, you know, I know we're, we're talking about the, the difficulty of, uh, these negotiations and the, uh, you know, the amount of money on this contract, but you ultimately want to be in the position where you have a guy who's good enough at quarterback that you you're in this situation. Right. Um, So from that standpoint, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, But I looked at it like somebody who wants to spend, basically wants to overspend and I'm not saying they want to do this, but I just, you know, Chris and Carrie knows I'm always making crazy analogies. It's how my mind works. Um, Who like overspends on a house. Right. And they're like house poor. But they leave a lifestyle that allows them to be house poor. You know, they pack their lunch every day. They buy groceries and cook at home. They ride their bike to work. You know, the Ravens, they have a, a mentality like Carrie just laid out and how they approach a lot of other things to team building and how they, they structure and build their teams where they, you know, they're prepared to be house poor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, a, it, it, it's not like a big cultural adjustment uh, that they would have to undergo, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, some of the approaches that you, you might have to, to take, um, you know, to, to be able to support, uh, a contract of, of that size or, or the tag, you know, for instance, if it's just, you know, the tag for this year, God forbid the tag for next year too. Um, you know, they, they're sort of, that's baked into their, their organizational DNA, some of these approaches and, um, something that, you know, our friend Denard Melton, um, uh, I do the fire zone show with, which is like an all defensive show about the Ravens. He talked about that with Mike McDonald. He said, look, when you move from a man coverage, heavy defense to a zone based defense, you don't necessarily have to spend the same kind of money on corners that you did when you're playing so much, man, obviously you want good players. That's never going to change. So You, you want to go out and get the best corners that you can, but you don't necessarily have to have a Jalen Ramsey, um, you know, when you're playing more of a zone-based season. He would always talk about the Bills. He said, you kind of look at the way that the Bills defense is built and structured. They have good players, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's kind of like the sum, you know, is, is greater. I, I can never get that analogy right. But whatever it is, there's not in one individual guy who's like a superstar, right, that's leading that defense. It For them, it's more about the structure of the defense. It's more about being disciplined. It's more about kind of – um you know, knowing when your help is and playing to your help, and you know they do some things up front to kind of create pass rush, and so you say, all right, maybe maybe we can save a little bit money on that side of the ball. Now, obviously, they've they've got money tied up in Marcus Williams and Marlon Humphrey and <laughs> and things like that. So maybe they haven't completely made uh, that kind of adjustment, but you know, you you feel like you know maybe defensively you have a system now, or maybe you can kind of move in that way. And like Kerry said, TBD. With Todd Market, you know, we'll see. We don't really know, um, you know, what kind of personnel um, they may feel like they they need to bring in uh, to get the most out of his offense, or um, you know, sort of where that's going to go. So, I think Brian, that that was kind of the last thing that we wanted to do before we got out of here, just because you do talk so much about the cap and contract and free agency that I don't know how often when you do these podcasts that you just get to talk about it from a fan standpoint. Because um, like you mentioned, you've been a Ravens fan for a long time. And, you know, I think one of the biggest changes, again, we won't get all into the strength and conditioning stuff. but One of the uh, the biggest changes was, uh, you know, parting ways with Greg Roman and bringing in a new offensive coordinator and Todd Mocken. So just kind of wanted to, you know, get your opinion on that and, you know, what you think about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably a year too late. Um, mm. obviously coming off of 19, you know, they were, um, you know, they were spectacular and obviously Lamar was still uh, uh, developing, I guess we'll say as a quarterback and, you know, 20 was okay. Um, you know, but I think by 21, you're starting to see, you Now, granted the running game last year was not very good. And when you lose your top three running backs, that's going to happen. But uh, I think at that point it started, you know, yeah, and I think, you know, Roman's one of those guys I think is a lot like um uh who was oh gosh. Kim Cameron. Mm. You know, they're good coordinators, but they have a shelf life. Mm. They can get you to a certain point, but they can't they're they're not somebody who's gonna get you over the hump. And they're good for a young quarterback in general because I guess there's their demeanors and things like that, but they they seem to both their offenses and and, and also their quarterbacks seem to plateau at some point. Yeah. Um, so you know it, 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 and I think with I think with Roman it was just you know this this past year was just one year too long. Um, you obviously saw Lamar express frustration with plays coming in late, you know, and things like that. and he had not uh, usually the only frustration he would show in the past was with himself. Yeah, You know, he'd throw a pick and he'd, he could see, you know, he, he was wearing his emotions on his sleeve. You could tell he was pissed at himself. But, but usually if somebody dropped the ball or something like that, he just clapped and be like, we we'll got get him next time, you know, but yeah. last year, certainly, whether that's contract, whether, you know, whether it's a little of, of everything, who knows, but um and, and kind of like Steve Saunders, I think they've held on to a couple of guys a little too long here recently. <laughs> so. um, and obviously, with all the players coming out, and then of course, I'm not sure who to take Bateman's comment to the to, to Costa. About. I'm not sure. <laughs> at, at the Costa himself, at Roman, at, uh, at Saunders, or- whoever
0: let that happen? That's the yeah. person <laughs> yeah. or, right.
3: or whether that was aimed at, at the end you know, at, at Roman. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we saw Hollywood Brown wanting to get out of here. Yeah. Um. Even though he was like seventh in the league in targets that year. Um, but he saw he wasn't I guess he wasn't getting the targets he, he wanted. Now, I'm not sure the grass is always greener at this point.
0: <laughs> nah, he's yeah. paying for his own dinner now. It's
3: terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So you know, I so, thought, yeah. I mean, I but I think I mean Monk and I, as I as I think Carrie said, you know, he seems to be a more adaptable guy, um, where he's not wedded to uh, this is the way I do things, and you need to get you know all these guys, and if if this guy doesn't fit into it, I'm gonna you know try to get the you know the round peg in the square hole. Uh, or the square peg and road hole, whichever way it's supposed to go. Um, so, you know, um, so I think there's, there's some, I think there's some, he's done all kinds of different things. So I think certainly from that standpoint, um, you know, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a good hire. I mean, I kind of want, I, the guy I wanted was Brian Johnson in, in yeah. Philly. Um, but obviously that, you know, he wasn't going anywhere as long as he got, he got to step up to oc there uh, you know i mean that certainly makes sense um and he gets to work with the you know he's done seemingly done really well with hertz there so you know why not um and obviously all coming off of the super bowl berth too so that would have been the guy i wanted but other than that i mean i think Mumpkins right up there with you know with other names that were out there i mean obviously you can quibble here and quibble there but i, I don't i don't yeah i don't i was very happy with that
0: for sure Certainly wasn't for a lack of talking to people. Uh no. they, <laughs> they talked to a lot of people. Did Harb say we're going to look far and wide and near? So they, they seem to have done all of that. And then I guess um, some some other little uh, moves they made. T. Martin now the quarterback coach. Uh, Willie Taggart comes in as the running back coach. James Urban, uh, Craig Versteeg, sort of in. Limbo, or maybe not limbo. I mean, it sounded like Harb's had an idea. He's like, hey, maybe they'll be like senior consultants or something. Maybe that's if those guys want that. It always makes me think back to Marty, and it's like, we're not firing you. here's another position. (laughs) It's a a demotion. (laughs) If you'd like to take this position, you can take it. We're Uh, hoping you'll find someplace
3: before we have to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, Jeff, uh, Zrebeck talked some about James Urban, maybe going to Cincinnati because he has a relationship with Zach Taylor. Um, You know, who who knows? Uh, I don't know about Versteeg. I know he's been around a long time. He's been with the Ravens. I went 15, 16 years, maybe. Um, so I don't know what happens there, but I just think those are kind of, sometimes those seem like little small moves and they kind of fly under the radar. But I mean, I think quarterback, whoever's working primarily with your quarterback, I always tend to think that's pretty important. Um, and obviously T's been here for two years now, I guess. Um, so there's a relationship there, but I think that's kind of an interesting move. And then Willie Taggart, I mean, this guy's been a a power five head coach, like five different places. Uh, (laughs) so our division one head coach, I should say like five different places. Um, and now he comes in and he's your running back coach. So, you know, and he's got a whole background in spread up tempo offenses. So I, and we we talked about that in our group chat too, that that how often all of these guys have, have thrown the word tempo around. You heard Harbaugh say it a bunch of times. Monkins talked about it. Uh, like I said, Taggart, that's that's one of his kind of calling cards with the offenses that you know he's he's had. And obviously he his his ties with the Harbaughs run deep. Uh <laughs> he goes way back to Jack and Jim and um so you know he's he's a hard buddy. I know people don't like that, uh, <laughs> but he, he, he just happens to be one of those guys. What can what can you say? Uh, doesn't mean that you know he's any lesser of a coach because of that. Uh, but just,
2: nah, just he's a hard people. brother. He's past a hard <laughs> brother.
0: <laughs> he said that. Remember one of his one, yeah. one, of, one of the things he said. I forget what he said. His name was, but he was like an honorary hardball. They had to start with a J. I forget what he. Maybe he was a. I don't know. a Now he can be a Jack. He picked some other name. I don't know what it was. Um, but yeah, he saw himself that way too. So, um, so if you had to kind of set aside all of the Lamar stuff, Brian, and just assume like that, that works out in whatever way it works out, it works out. And he's still the quarterback in 23 and he comes in on time. And we don't have any of those issues. And, you know, you, you've got this new offensive being installed. It's early. We haven't hit free agency. We haven't hit the draft. Obviously that's going to change a number of things, but assuming that that works itself out, how do you you feel about just sort of where things are going overall? Do you feel like things are still moving in, you know, sort of a, a direction that will allow them to continue to be competitive as they've been, you know, the last few years and really, you know, throughout Harbaugh's tenure as a head coach or um, we talked about this during was it this off season or last off season where it feels, it feels like this is almost like a turning point in some way, organizationally to kind of see what happens. So I, I don't know. How, how do you, where do you come down on that? man? do you think it's much, you know, too, too much made about it? Or, or do you think that maybe there is something kind of pivotal, uh, pivotal
3: kind of, well, I mean, to? I, obviously I, it, 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 it's, it can't get away from Lamar. I, a long-term deal for Lamar I think is incredibly pivotal Um be it this year or next year, because obviously that that gives you the security um, that gives you, um, you know, from a cap perspective, that gives you cost certain, you know, you know, OK, we're not doing this again next year. Which tag are we using um, now? Now, if they get if it gets to next year, uh, in my opinion, he will be traded if it gets that far. If he, if it's tagged this year and then tagged next year, because the, the third year tag can't do it can't do a <laughs> million and you're gonna, then you're gonna let him you're gonna play you're gonna have him play out the tag next year and then lose him for a third round comp pick the following year <laughs> yeah so i know a lot of people i know you know a lot of, there are a lot of polls out there he's going to get traded this year i don't think he's getting traded this year unless and maybe somebody comes along and overwhelms them or unless he's asked to get out and obviously oh. they'll you know they they've they've been very good about being tight-lipped when they've had guys like that. So obviously if, if he wants out, they'll trade him, but I think from the team's perspective, they they don't want to trade him. They'll they'll deal with him on the, on the cap, I mean, on the tag this year, but next year they can't they can't do this again, obviously. So they would have to trade him at that point. So I think I mean, you know, they just like this whole offseason's been, you know, it's hard to say what they're going to do and what they can do even without knowing what, you know, what Lamar, what Lamar's situation is as, Lamar, as long as Lamar's here, it's a prime destination for coaches. It's a prime destination. I mean, you know, if, if, it's if Monkin goes and gets a, you know, has a great year and gets a, a, a big coaching job, either college or, you know, head coaching job in college or, or, um, or the bros, you know, there are plenty of new guys who want to come along and, and come in and be Lamar's OC and then have hopefully have the same thing happen to them. So you're going to get that kind of talent. Um, Free agents will want to come here. If, you know, if they can, if Lamar can turn the corner, stay healthy, put up kind of the throwing numbers he did in 19. I mean, he didn't throw that much, but you know, he was very efficient. Um, You know, then you've got maybe a wide receiver who, You know, okay, it's a different offense. This isn't Greg Roman's offense anymore. I see it, you know. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so I think that's, you know, to me, that's the trajectory. That's what's going to keep them, uh, you know, um, a prime place, uh, you know, and a a contender, at least however you want to define contender. Obviously, can't be Super Bowl contender every year, probably. But, uh, you know, I think that's that's certainly what Lamar provides you. And I don't think there's any question about that. Now, obviously, if he plays out the tag this year, they trade him next year. As we discussed, maybe you hit the quarterback, maybe you don't, you know. Um, and then you're in purgatory. So I, I think this is, I would agree, this is very pivotal. And I, I, it could probably go south pretty quickly. I mean, let's face it, if, if they tag Lamar, he doesn't show up till, you know, August 31st. Um, no, you know, no time with Munkin, you know, no, just, just your practice time and all of that, your season gets off to a horrible start under a black cloud. Um, and you know, if it doesn't, and maybe, you know, you lose three out of your first four and you know, your chance of the playoffs go down to almost nil at that point, probably. I mean, it can happen, but you're really, you're really swimming upstream at that point. So, um, And then if Lamar is gone, I mean, I guess I guess there's the positive thing if they do trade Lamar and you get a bevy of picks that makes the draft fun and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I mean, from a fan's perspective, at least it's kind of like it's not like, oh, everything's horrible, horrible, horrible. But, you know, I think I'd rather have the fifth Lamar and the five picks as opposed to. Uh, not have Lamar and have ten picks or whatever it would have, you know. That's that's probably an exaggeration, but whatever it would amount to two firsts and two seconds, which you know be kind of, they don't have a second, so two firsts and a second. So, you know, that would be kind of fun for sure, um, just like you know, just like last year. But yeah, I think this is you know, I hate to be doom and gloom without Lamar because this you know this franchise has existed before that before him. But you look at the couple of years leading up to him up to that and they weren't particularly good either. So, um, you know, uh, I know a lot, I mean, I I don't know what the numbers are, you know, in favor of Lamar being here and against, and obviously a lot of fans are going against now and kind of, and I think that's just being fed up with the whole thing. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's issues on both sides as far as I'm concerned. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think comes down. You can just lay it all on one or lay it all on the other.
0: It's a good thing that a lot of those folks don't do negotiation for a living, because <laughs> it, it often uh, is not not a, a smooth process. You, yeah, you can't. <laughs>
3: since my camera's not working, you can't see my face on that. I was, I just lit up when you said that. I mean, it's amazing how many times I see people just say, "Just give Lamar what he wants," yeah. and I'm like, "That's not the way this works." <laughs> and I mean, as we just so we just give every player what he? Wants wants i mean you know there is a cap and that's why you know that's why you have to be mindful of it i mean if he's coming and asking for 100 million a year he's just going to give him what he wants because you can't lose him i mean obviously that's an exaggeration but you know so yeah i mean it's uh, you know and these things do take time and it is you know it ends up being a black eye on everybody but it you know unfortunately until you get a resolution or until you're forced to get a resolution if that means a trade then they're going to keep plugging away
0: you know, one thing I I'll, I'll give a little plug for it out there. He's not paying us or anything, but if he'd like to sponsor the podcast, we we'll, we happily uh entertain negotiations with all sponsors, but uh <laughs> I've been listening to this book by this guy named Christopher Voss who was a uh negotiator uh hostage negotiator for the FBI for like 20 something years. Uh and it's called Never Split the Difference. So you know, whenever things like this happen, um, whether it's negotiation, w- whatever it is, I think it's part part of it is probably uh, me being a Gemini and just loving to learn about a whole bunch of stuff and not really being like super knowledgeable about any one thing, but just knowing like a little bit just enough to be dangerous about a bunch of a bunch <laughs> of stuff. Uh, and I'm only like five or six chapters into this thing, but I've already kind of gleaned a couple things that I think are really cool. Now, I used to, you know, a couple years ago. Um, I used to do some contract negotiations for the uh, federal government. It's a little bit different, but two things that really stood out to me that he said is um, it's more important to know the why than the what, right? What somebody's asking for isn't as important as why they're asking for it. Um, So, you know, to try to get, get to a point where you can figure that out is pretty important. And he said, contrary to what most people think in our everyday lives, no, isn't the end of a negotiation. It's the actual beginning. (laughs) <laughs> negotiation and he says the quicker that you can get somebody to say no, the better because for him he's like no is a place of comfort for people right <sighs> They feel like now they're have some they have some level of control because they've turned something down right and it gives them some sense of security but he said oftentimes no doesn't necessarily mean no it means not right now or I'm not comfortable with this or I need more information or I need to talk to somebody else. It can have a number of different meanings, but it doesn't always necessarily mean, no, this is over. We're done. So it's been pretty cool to listen to some of these things. And I think it's been almost like therapeutic for me. That's probably partly why I haven't been like as angst ridden, as you see, you know, some other folks on Twitter about this thing, like every day, they're like, this is so stressful. For one, it's not your money, you're not involved. It's actually not that stressful for you. But <laughs> even as a fan, I do understand there, there, there is that part of it. And you can, you can feel some, some stress as a fan because you just want to kind of know. But this has really helped me listening to this guy talk about negotiations. And I mean, he's negotiating, he's, he was negotiating for people's lives. A lot of these stories about in the book are about hostage situations right not, not contracts even though he talks a little bit about that but it's mostly like negotiating for people's lives so learning some of those things i think has kind of helped me and like i said by no means am i saying that makes me any kind of expert or that i know anything about negotiation but it's just kind of interesting hearing that perspective for somebody who did it you know in some real high stakes situations uh for a really really long time so uh it's made me at least think about that. Like, hey, what what could be the why behind this? Assuming that Lamar really is asking for a fully guaranteed contract, which is still the big we don't know. There's been a bunch of reports on whether it is, it isn't, or it's it's almost or it's not. Even if it, it assume it is, why would he be asking for that? What is it that he's is it respect? It may not necessarily be money per se. Obviously, money's involved. Is it respect? Is it something else? I don't know, but I think it's just thought provoking to listen to some of the things that the guy brings up in the book and make you wonder, you know, what what could really be going on behind the scenes, you know, in this negotiation and others. So anyway, that's my little plug for that. Um anybody else got anything? Chris Carrier? are you guys ready to get out of here? We've we've done our requisite hour, actually a little bit over the hour, <laughs> but uh you guys good?
1: I I have one question. It's not a cap question for Brian. I'm curious to know. Where, like, where are you leaning as far as first round draft pick? What Mm -hmm. position would you like to see fit? Um,
3: I mean, I think, you know, I'm going to qualify, but obviously it depends on how the board falls. But um, from, and uh, you guys are obviously more uh, draft oriented than I am, but it, Wide receiver seems to be some very solid first round picks, and then it drops off. Corner, there's very. It sounds like there's very solid picks, not just in. I mean, obviously at first, but but throughout. Um, so I think, you know, an ideal world, I would want to go wide receiver with that first pick, and obviously it depends on if they, you know, even. But even if they bring in a DeAndre Hopkins, I think they, you know, I mean, it makes it a little easier not to go. Or wide receiver first, maybe. But, uh, you know, given and even DaCosta, obviously, which obviously Bateman didn't particularly like the way he said it, but, <laughs> uh, you know, DaCosta made it clear that they're not going to stop trying. So, uh, again, always, you know, depends on how the board falls. But uh, so I would lean wide receiver with uh, corner, uh, certainly wouldn't be upset with a corner. Edge rusher wouldn't be upset there either as a, you know, kind of a, uh, a dark horse. Cause I think everybody's pretty much focused on, you know, corner and wide receiver, but, and, uh, but I think it's a pretty, it's kind of a short draft on that too, isn't it? Um It's not a lot of depth in the draft uh, from what I've, at least from what I've read. So, um so I would say right now, wide receiver would be uh, where I would definitely lean, especially if they don't, if they bring in, you know another retread kind of veteran because they just gotta you know fill out a spot. Um, I'll tell you, if, and again, I don't know the free agent money is going to be there, and I don't know what his uh, his demand would be. But I wouldn't mind. Uh, what's it, Chark? Uh, yeah, DJ Troy uh, in in uh, in uh, Jacksonville, but before that, mm-hmm. um, he he had to sign a one year deal last year, and like a lot of guys did because of the cap, because of the uh, cap falling back. Um, but you know he might be a He's not going to be – he's not going to get $18 million a year, but, you know, he might get $10 million a year in that range. And um, if they've got some disposable money and when all is said and done, that may be a place I wouldn't mind seeing because he's a bigger body guy than they they ever really had <laughs> at wide receiver. Um, I guess going back to Michael Jackson, you know, if you <laughs> want to go back I do. But, I mean – Lawrence you know, Moore. Yeah, well <laughs> – <laughs> good one. Good one. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I mean yeah, I mean well, I guess Waller was technically because he started as a yeah. wide receiver. But
0: what was the other guy, uh Brown? He had like eight or nine touchdowns as a rookie, and then we never heard from him again. Yeah, yeah. Marlon,
3: Marlon. Marlon Brown. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. He had that great catch in that snow game mm-hmm. uh, against the Vikings. That that back and forth game at the end of when there was what, those five touchdowns in the last two plus minutes or whatever it was.
0: Crazy game. Uh, yeah, you sound like a draft expert to me <laughs> All right. I, I just
3: I, I you want if you want me to start talking about individual prospects i' am out <laughs> <laughs> you, you you
0: you hit on the positions i mean that's everybody who is you know a quote unquote expert you hit on the same positions that they hit in the first round so Uh, To me, you're qualified. Uh, (laughs) Well, hey, look, I guess we'll go ahead and we'll land this plane and we'll get out here again. Thanks, Brian. We really appreciate uh, appreciate you from being on. Um, We'll we'll get that jersey with the dollar sign. You know, we'll start working on that, get that up in the rafters for you. Um, Look, we'll continue to be optimistic about a long term deal, maybe even uh, what did Harbaugh say fervently? Optimistic Uh, about it, about it, and hey, look. Worst case scenario, if they tag Lamar and he holds out, we've got another Pro Bowl quarterback on the roster. So feel good about that. (laughs) Oh boy, like that's probably a good way to end this thing. Hey, everybody, thanks as always. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share everywhere. Tell a friend. friend. We're out of here. here. and if
1: you like fish and grits and all the pimps, everybody let me hear you say, oh yeah, yeah, Now, my oral illustration be like stimulation to the female gender. Ain't nothing better, let me know when it's... To enter. If not, I wait because the future of the world depends on If or if not, the child we raised gon' have that d- syndrome I will it know to beat the arse regardless of its skin tone Or will it feel that if you tune it, it just might get picked on I will it give a f- about what others say and get gone The alienators cause we different, keep your hand to the sky Like sounds of blackness when I practice what I preach and don't lie I'll be the baker and the maker of the beast of my pie Now break a break a tenfold, can I get some reply? Now everybody say now throw your hands in the air
0: And wave them like you just don't care and if they like fish and grits and all the pimps, everybody let me make it say, oh, yeah.